0: Welcome to three, 2, 1, Go the Podcast. I'm John Pelkey.
1: And I'm Carissa Galloway. And we're bringing you stories from start to finish to keep the everyday athlete motivated to keep moving towards the next finish.
0: All right, folks, the Paris 2024 Olympics are just months away. And I, for one, cannot wait. I love two things, the Olympics and Paris. So this you is do. going to be a lot of fun. And the road for Paris track and field started in Orlando, where my co-host, Carissa, say hello, Carissa. Hello. Had a front row seat and a mic for all of the action. Today, we're going to dive into Carissa's weekend, break down the race, the marathon trials, and answer your question about what trials was like for Carissa.
1: John, in short, it was amazing. Podcast over. Uh, No, just kidding. It was... Moving on. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Um, It was amazing seeing the look on someone's face the moment they realized their Olympic dream, watching the families who were two feet away from me react to this. I mean, I'm still tearing up just thinking about it, thinking about the teamwork displayed by Clayton Young and Connor Mance. We're going to dive into that. We should all be so lucky to have such a great friend. John, would you let me finish in front of you? I don't think you would.
0: I will, you, uh, you will always <laughs> f- finish in front of me, and I will always say it's because I've allowed you to do so.
1: Perfect. Yes. Glad we've, we've come to that conclusion. Uh, today in Healthier You are going to talk about what happens when you race in the heat, like the athletes did here in Orlando, and we're going to share a listener story from Kia. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, rate, and you can even support the show check out the link in the show notes and join amazing listeners like Melissa, April, and Bill for what they do to help keep the show going. And we're going to do a giveaway for those special folks in March. So if you want to get in on that giveaway, uh, make sure that you support the show to the show notes. Let's be friends. Let's be social and let's do this. Before we dive into all things trials and I talk, John, I want to check in with you. What's going on with you?
0: Well, uh, we talked about this off air, but I'll let everybody know now. i let them inside. Uh, right now, I am uh, I'm working on a writing project. I have a friend who has a, um, has a production company in Omaha, and every now and then I write scripts for them. They do a lot of corporate video And you know, welcome to Omaha type stuff and and that type of work. And uh, so it's a lot of fun to do. And I'm working on a project right now, and it's 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 going very very well. Some last minute changes, as you know, Carissa, when you're working on projects like that, those come up. But I had a moment today because I, for folks who may not have listened to every episode of this podcast and every other one, I mentioned the fact that I I'm not really really good with the technical aspects of computers and all of that. You know, I had an Underwood typewriter in college. That's my Age, um, so I'm working uh, with Google Docs, which I don't generally use for the scripts. But uh, we're working with um, the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. That's what they use, so we're using that. And I had a moment, and I know anybody who's ever done a writing project or even written and tried to write a letter on a word processor, <laughs> I had that moment where I deleted the entire script.
1: Oh my god!
0: And I intellectually, I know that most of this software is very self-intuitive. They know people are going to do that sort of thing, so there's a way to restore it. Yeah. But that in and it of itself could prove to be a nine-week project for me, given my <laughs> remedial, uh, how remedial I am at all of this. Um, so so had uh, had a moment where, where I panicked and I melted down, and you're one of the few people in my life who've seen me melt down, so it was normally it's over uh, food or being fed at a losing your the, glasses. Losing my glasses. This is not yeah, that's not good. That's a bad
1: one. <laughs> heaven forbid you I delete the pair and lose of... your glasses at the same wet same time. Like oh. oh my
0: god. Well I have like three hundred pair of readers now stationed lose them all in the around my like in once my car. A year. There, there's one in the it, where the spare tire of my car is. I mean i just have them everywhere. Um, so I reached out to my friend uh, who who runs the, the company, my friend Margo, and uh, she was laughing about it, and she had a copy uh, of uh, essentially the up-to-date script, and uh, so I was talked down off the roof, and then I was able to go through Google Docs, like a shout out to the folks, good folks at Google, <laughs> and I found out how I could restore the edits that I'd made, but you know, you've been there. Oh, it's yeah. that moment when, and we all think, particularly those of us who perform and do... Things like this, you can't get anything wrong. You can't do anything wrong. And the minute something happens and you get into that downward spiral, uh, it's hard to get out of that, yeah. and my poor wife, uh, who, as we know, more talented than me, Very better looking, smarter, all of those things. Um, she she had to kind of talk me down, which is somewhat difficult because I at, at that no, point. No, I totally,
1: like, I know, and I, I I get it. And then as I don't know if it's our personality, but something goes wrong, and you want to fix it instantly. You you can't step yeah. away and Google. You have to fix it instantly because if you don't fix it instantly, it's never getting fixed, and you've ruined everything, and you're never working again. Yeah, no. <laughs>
0: You know, and I, you know what I did? I'm, I'm getting there. It's like, you know, incrementally baby steps for me. I did walk away, but I walked away and paced my living room going, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. So
1: knowing in the uh, back of your head, it's going to be fixed. But like, I have to like ride out this emotional reaction before I can logically think about it.
0: Right, yeah. right. You know, and it's coming on a day. It's not like the first draft where, yeah, that would have been bad, but I, you know, I okay. Uh, but they made some other changes. So it's like I'm trying to keep three or four things in my head. Okay, don't, you know, you're going to have to delete this. And that's what happened. I was trying to delete one thing and I deleted everything. Um, but it's bad. So, it uh, okay. feast or famine over here. But now, there is a good thing that's happened to me recently. And I mentioned it again to you yes, off air. It's a breakthrough. We were talking. I am – I'm exercising regularly now. Good. And I've done well, I think, for the last three weeks. I think there was one day that I missed when I wasn't feeling well and I got back on schedule and and it's all good. And for the very first time on my Galloway Method app, I was able – to Normally, in my run-walk method, normally, I'm right now, I'm on a one-minute run, 30-second walk pace as I'm warming good. up for uh, very good. The, possibly the 10K Potential, in yep. the spring if we're able to get into those races. That's always questionable. Um, and for the very first time, I, I was able to do the one-minute walk, uh, excuse me, run, and the 30-second walk without having to expand my walk. Normally, sometime yeah. about halfway through, I'll expand the walk to a minute uh, or I'll cut the, rock, uh, the run to 30 seconds because my body is just not getting there. And uh, this was the first time, my last uh, workout on Saturday, and I'm, I'm back on the treadmill today. It was the first time I was able to do that. Now, my run is incrementally quicker than my walk, but... I actually did pick up the pace so I feel pretty good about that. I think I think that's a slight breakthrough for me.
1: That's great. And then it's And there were about
0: 12 times where I didn't want to do it. I'm like, "No, just walk for a minute. No one's here. No one will know." Jeff
1: will know. <laughs> He, he knows these things. No, I'm it's super – I'm very proud of you. And I think that's what I've loved hearing is the listeners like hearing this too because they're in that same boat and that that voice. And that's why I love the Galloway Method when I'm doing my longer runs. And, and I remember it clearly when I was running the Boston Marathon because I was just beat up. My legs were beat up, but it beeps and you're like, I have to run now. You don't get in that endless – I'm just so tired. I'm just going to keep walking. The ironies we're about to talk about the marathon trials were like – the speed is just out of control, but the, the, the walk break makes me say, no, I can do this for another minute. I can do this for two 30. Cause I get that other break. And that's for me, the benefit of the Galloway method is the mental benefit of it. So kudos to you. And you just keep progressing on that. The weather probably played into it a little bit. Uh, we had some nice, well, what is it hot? It was actually warm on the weekend,
0: yeah, I'm I'm on a treadmill, so it was uh, right. it was sixty six. You know, degrees, and John, if house.
1: you can't get a springtime, we will come. I'll put chairs in your office, and we'll sit and watch you do a ten k on the treadmill. That won't be awkward or uncomfortable at all. all right. We'll like dress like different characters. We'll come in and out. We'll have some music.
0: Oh, that'd be great. And, you know, you just, like, run by me. We can do, like, I'll get a GoPro, and I'll do one from my uh, yeah. from my point of view, and then you can have some video elsewhere. We're going to have to put together a website if we're going to do this, and not be a video on a website. At least have but a YouTube a, there's channel. There's something
1: called YouTube people generally use for that service. They put videos on a website. <laughs> really?
0: Probably not the best time to be snarky with the guy who just had a <laughs> series of mini strokes when he thought he deleted his entire oh, I love you. video oh, project. All right. Oh.
1: Oh, uh, yes. So um, I we're talking about your anxiety. I had what for performers, for me, is always an anxiety, not anxiety-ridden experience, but not the easiest uh, things for me to do. I uh, okay. got, got together with Mark Ferreira, and I was doing some voiceovers for Princess so that the expo announcements and everything are in a female voice. Now, first, I can't believe I'm going to say this. This is so embarrassing because, John, you know this never happens to me. Last two weeks have been crazy with trials, and we're going to talk about that. So Mark sent me we – we're going back and forth about when we could schedule these voiceovers. We f- he, I was like, I'm free from this time to this time. And he said, okay, great. We'll do it on Friday. And then he, in the text, he said uh, what we were getting paid. I wrote down the amount we were getting paid as the time I was showing up. So at the actual time I was supposed to show up, six minutes, like I was supposed to be there at one – He's like, "Are you here?" And then I was like, "Oh no!" I was thirty minutes late. <laughs> Luckily, they had booked two hours. It didn't take two hours. So, Don, I was thirty. I was like sitting in my. I was sitting in my house. Because I, w- I, I must have been doing something where I was looking at the message and I thought, yeah. oh, well, I said I could do it at one, but I can do it whenever. That's fine. You guys, just guess what time it was. I mean, maybe it was at 11.30 at night and I made $1,000 to uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but what was, was it? So hey, I, look at this. I'm, I have to be there at $4,000. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're getting four so grand. And if you are, congratulations yeah. for doing oh, that well. i but... 30
1: minutes late. Everybody was wow. very nice about it. Um, it was just my mistake. I totally own that. But then voiceovers are... T- not ter- They're not terrifying, but it's just an interesting experience. You are Stressful. You know, in this Stressful. own room by yourself. Yep. You read something. And sometimes what I was saying to us is you know a word got stuck, but you just kept going. And then you're just making them be like, yeah, you said answered and not answered.' <laughs> um, Always. And then at one point, we, I had to say good morning, which – Mark's not going to listen. Maybe he does listen to it. I think he does. He was like, I want you to be friendly. But then you're, you're on stage. You're authoritative. And I'm like, I'm friendly. I'm authoritative. Like, what am I? So my good morning was like, I couldn't get it right. I kept being too good morning, Vietnam. And he didn't know his mic was on and he was like, I don't want to keep doing this. We're going to stress her out. Much like, you know, like with your Google docs thing. And I heard him say that and I kind of, lied, I didn't tell him that I heard him say that. Um, so they ended up just taking one of my good mornings and pasting it into every,
0: <laughs> yeah, one. I always but forget I that they can do that. Yeah. I appreciate Mark well.
1: knowing you have to know your performers. Like we've talked about before how we know, we know Riley and we know the things that, don't trigger, but like we know how to best support him, and he knew like yeah. let's just move on. Um, yeah, I would have said
0: trigger, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah but fun.
1: anyway, it was it was fun. Um, you guys enjoy. I'm sorry for those of you in the expo, but it's it's not Riley, and I'm not a voiceover artist. Like Riley has that great voice; you do too. So for me, I'm just always self conscious about it. But I, it's Princess, and sometimes I heard it, and I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. And then I also I kept saying cast members and not cast members. Um, I don't know. So just little things that...
0: It, it, it's very stressful because, I mean, it's not even like when you're on stage and you're saying something uh, or, or even doing something live on television, you can word burger through something and people often don't pick it up. Yep. But... When you're recording something and people are listening back, you hear everything. And I have liked. learned, because I used to be the stop to guy too, but most directors will tell you, just continue going through, because they do have the ability at times to edit, particularly if you've had pauses, which you should have at times, obviously, yeah. unless you speak like I do. Uh, so, it, But it's a hard thing to keep in your head, because you make a mistake. You're like, oh, I have to stop. It, it, it's horrible. And how often do you do this? Sometimes I'll be going through and I'm sure I've made a mistake and I haven't because I'm just so in my head that I'm like, I, did I say that wrong? Nope, you, you were just fine. So that's yeah. why plow through. people. Yeah. If you're doing voiceover work, just plow through. Yeah. Do your best.
1: So, no, it was it was good. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear it. Um, so that was fun. So that means we're getting close to Princess. And I do yeah. want to take a minute to give a shout-out to something else that's been helping me, the Pillar Triple Magnesium, one of our awesome sponsors. Pillar is a sports micronutrition company, and they've developed products that intersect between pharmaceutical intervention and sports supplements for athletes, We've been using the Pillars Triple Magnesium. You use it at night. It's great for recovery. Its meticulously crafted formula is designed for sleep and recovery. I've talked about magnesium a lot on this podcast because I'm so passionate about how people don't know enough about this and we need to be using it. And the Pillar isn't your run-of-the-mill magnesium. It's a high dose of magnesium glycinate, which is a powerhouse ingredient you don't have to take my word for it because professional athletes like Jan Ferdino, Ben Canute, and Olympic gold medalist Gwyn Jorgensen and many more are recovering, getting better sleep, and getting to that start line in the best condition over and over again. We want to thank Pillar for their support. It's on the feed here in the U.S. We've got a coupon code. It's in the show notes. Check it out.
0: Good information, and thank you to the good folks from Pillar. We also want to shout out to Sarah Akers with Runs on Magic. If you want to experience some extra special magic during those run Disney weekends, or if you're just looking to get away on a cruise, Sarah Acres with Runs on Magic can help.
1: Yep. She's going to plan your experience. She's going to take away all the effort you have to do. When I plan my cruise, she called them. She got the different room options, all the price options, the credits. She specializes in Run Disney, Universal, and the cruise, like I mentioned. She has a special promo code. So say 321GO, or or use it. When you email, you don't say things, but you know, just say it too. Uh, request your vacation quote for up to a $200 Disney gift card or booking credit. You can find her on Instagram at runs on magic where she shares special offers or more. Or email her at RunsOnMagicTravel at gmail.com.
0: Okay, civilians, it's time for the goods. Let's get on to the interview. All right, folks, we are just days after a very successful Olympic marathon team trials right here in O-Town, Orlando, Florida, where my co-host, the talented Carissa Galloway, was on the team of announcers from start to finish. Now, if you watched the broadcast, you undoubtedly heard her the entire time doing what she does, talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. Uh, just kidding. Uh, first of all, uh, welcome back. And uh, tell everybody, as we always ask, how are you? And and this is a question that people are like, why would you ask Carissa? But believe me, folks, sometimes we do need to know, where are you?
1: Well, right now, I, um, I'm here in uh, Oakland, getting ready to head out on a world. Oakland, trip. Florida,
0: folks. Oakland, She's not, Florida. She, I'm home in yeah.
1: Florida, and I'm great. I am Still riding the high of the amazing races, the amazing energy, just such good vibes. It was really fun, and I'm excited to be here to be able to break it down with all of you, um, and John too.
0: Yeah, it was it was a it was great to watch, and I heard you all over over the broadcast. Uh, and I mean that in of a positive funny way. That you could <laughs>
1: hear us because I listened to the coverage in Atlanta, uh, like some clips, and you couldn't hear the announcer. So I was like, no one's going to be able to hear me, but. I don't know if it's because of where Kara Goucher and their team was. The NBC team was the back of the band shell at Lake Eola, uh-huh. and we were just on Rosalind in front that you couldn't not hear us. Um, but it was yeah, kind of no, funny. Yeah, no, no, you
0: came through uh, loud and clear on <laughs> a- any number of occasions. So uh, so kudos to you for that. Okay, uh, let's let's get through this because there's a lot to cover. Yeah. It was a very very dramatic and exciting race for anybody who thinks watching people run a marathon. How exciting will that be? I highly recommend check out. I'm sure it's on Peacock, the Olympic trial, uh, marathon trials. It was amazing. So we have five members of team USA and a provisional member ready to go for Paris. We have all three of our women and two out of three of our men again with one provisional. So we'll see where that takes us. It's, it's a a little bit difficult to explain how qualifying happens. Uh, Tell us about those folks.
1: Yeah, so for the men, it, it couldn't have worked out better in terms of quote-unquote fairness because we had two guaranteed spots, and those two spots were opened up by the two men that got Clayton Young and Connor Mance. They trained together. They're from BYU. Uh, got to hear some interesting things about them in the press conference. They both went on missions as, right. uh, as they do. They said they would be lucky if they could get in 30 minutes of running on their missions, and they each gained about 25 to 30 pounds on those missions, yes, and then have come back. And they've been back for years, but just such an interesting perspective on putting that service first. Amazing teamwork that went on, amazing story. Um, Funny story too, they both had a friend request cameos from Jeff Galloway before the race. So Jeff Galloway made cameos for both of them. And we're trying to get them on the podcast with Jeff to kind of talk through some stuff. So
0: that's great. couldn't
1: be two nicer guys. The third place man who... Uh, he got third at trials. He's a provisional member of Teen USA, uh, Leonard Linney Career. He missed the spot in Atlanta by seconds. Like he got yeah. past in sight of the finish. So I have goosebumps right now. I was so excited for him to come in. He is still serving in the Army. So we talk about someone who had a dream, slipped away, spent four years working for it, and i asked him you know are you you may not get to go and he said but i finished 3rd like i did what i was supposed to do and i'm happy in that we have to wait until may 5th to see where the world athletic rankings come out if we are in a high enough position i believe you have to be in the top 80 we are number 68 the ranking is not necessarily his ranking it's other us athletes so if other us, US athletes do well in the upcoming platinum majors Boston, Japan, Seoul, or if they don't do well. And a lot of other athletes do they push us down, but we'll be waiting on May 5th to see if Lenny does get to go to the Olympics. He's Kenyan born, but he's an army service member. So just a great story. So send out good energy for him, for the women. We heard in all the podcasts, we had all these names, John, and it was like, there's going to be names you don't expect. It's not going to be your top three. And nobody that made the team was like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. You could believe it, but it's just that the, depth on the women's side was so deep. Fiona O'Keefe ran her first marathon. She ran the fastest debut time by a female US marathoner and just had a courageous race. We are trying to get her on the podcast as well. Second place was Emily Sisson, the American record holder. She ran for her, a flawless race. She knew what she needed to do. She didn't do anything that put herself in danger, ran a really strong, consistent race. And then third place, third was there was a lot of going on in the later six miles of the race. Dakota Linworm, who was a walk-on to a division two team. Talk about having to believe in yourself. And she was someone, she's a multiple time winner of grandma's marathon that we knew could have the, the potential to make the team. It's just the best person on that day. She never gave up, and I've heard her talk after the race. There was a Kenyan-born woman, Caroline Rotich, who's a Boston, former Boston Marathon champion. Uh, When there was a breakaway, and Dakota and Caroline were probably back in seven and eight, she said, let's work together, this isn't over. So the teamwork that happens by teammates like Connor and Clayton and non-teammates out there on the marathon course, you guys, this is what makes this sport different than anything else. Knowing that, you know, Dakota eventually went and got third and, and took a spot that Caroline could have gotten, but um, just really beautiful, excited for all of them. So please keep following them, follow them on social, cheer them onto their journey to Paris. And there were some heartbreaks as well that we will, we'll maybe get to talk about, but a lot of really great performances to cheer for.
0: Yeah, it's uh it it I, I said it's incredibly dramatic uh to watch because again we'll we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that but um uh, uh, Miss O'Keefe essentially led wire to wire.
1: She was in the lead pack the whole time and I didn't go yeah. back I didn't know she was in the lead pack right in the beginning and we'll get into why we were like kind of chaotic about it but yeah, she put her nose in it and she went and a lot of people thought when she went and took the lead and pushed the pace it was a mistake. Obviously it wasn't and she knew that.
0: It was interesting to watch the uh, the broadcast of that too because uh, they they went back to her I think more than they would have uh, someone who had been maybe a more recognizable name maybe someone they thought uh, because it was it did seem like a story of somebody who all right she is pushing this as as, as hard as she can in her first go around is that necessarily a good strategy to have. Um, because as we saw on the men's side, maybe leading for an extended period of time is, isn't necessarily the best idea. But, uh, she did. And it, it, it was really just re- remarkable. I think everyone was expecting at some point, right? She's going to fade, but she didn't. She, she actually widened her distance and it was, it was absolutely remarkable. We should shout out before we get back into this to our friend CJ Albertson, who we interviewed pre trials. Uh, he finished fifth. Ran a personal best of 210.07, which is just insane. And frankly, had a, probably the best last five miles of anyone in the race.
1: He really did it. I was a little bit surprised uh, when Zach Panning went and pushed the pace, who is a gentleman who, uh, if you were watching as the Brooks athlete, pushed the pace. Again, I was not surprised to see him there at all. I really had him on my radar. Um, I was surprised CJ didn't go with him. Uh, but CJ stayed. He ran his own race because they were on 207 pace. So if you know you're capable of a 210 and they're going 207, you know there's a risk in going with them. But right. he ran a really strong – had there been another 400 meters, because he was only five seconds out of fourth, which was like – I mean he was only 15 seconds off the Olympic team, maybe even 10 seconds off the Olympic team. Um, And and that's what breaks your heart in a race like this. If it's the Chicago Marathon and you finish with a personal best, you feel good. You walk away. Right. In the Olympic trials, you just break down what – what did I, what could I have done differently? And I think we all do that in any race, any marathon we're doing for a time. Did I stop for that water station too long? Did I, I mean, obviously they didn't, but like as a recreational runner, like you replay it so much. And I hope all these athletes are happy, like with their performance, even though they're sad, kind of how it didn't work out. But yeah, uh, way to go. Way to go, CJ. We're proud of you.
0: It was, great to, it was great to watch because I think when I first tuned in and I was looking, trying to look for the leaderboard where he was, and I think he was sitting in, you know, and they were in a, the large packs at that point with uh, Zach out in front and then a couple of people had separated, but largely large pack. And I think he he was at that point unofficially 24th
1: yeah, or yeah. something
0: around that. And then yeah, as I'm watching, all of a sudden, you know, they're top 20 and now he's 17th. And then, like we said, through that last five miles or so, and I'm not sure when he kicked it in 100%, but he just kept moving up the leaderboard and I'm... He yelling to my wife and going, oh, my God, our guy CJ is really pushing <laughs> I it. I know him. And to, f- to finish with a two ten oh seven, yeah. and as as close to the top three as possible, C- kudos, Siege! That is yeah. remarkable. Remarkable. And shout out to all of those remarkable athletes. All right. if right. We're going to dive deeper into this, you and I, but we have a mix of questions from our amazing listeners. Yeah, good luck so. saying
1: all the Instagram names.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right.
1: No one's name is like Bob. It's all, <laughs> it's like code all right. words.
0: Here we go. Here, Here's what we're going to try. As, as I'm looking through, now now you've got me all paranoid that I'm going to look through. I'm not going to be- No, they're uh, just not
1: names. They're just, you know.
0: Uh, let's, uh, you know what? Let me let me ask you this question first. Yeah, let, you let me can just do it.
1: You you're the host of this podcast. I know. You can literally I know. do whatever I just, you want. There's
0: just so much material I know. to cover here. And you can, cu- before we can we cut we jump. that question. I don't I don't be- need it. <laughs> before we jump into the listener questions, Um let everybody know how you got started with marathon trials. How did you get the gig and who you worked with and all of that? And then we'll dive into our listeners, some of them with questionable Instagram handles. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, was, yeah. So um, several years ago, when Orlando was bidding on the trials, Kim Bruno, who was a huge part in organizing all this, works with Track Shack, asked me for a quote of like, we got to put an announcer cost into the bid. What would it cost for you? Blah, 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 blah. We'd love to have you if we get it, but we don't know. Yada, yada, yada. That was years ago. They got the bid, and it's the thing you and I always talk about. Like you don't know that you have a job for a long time, and I am not going to be the person that calls somebody up and goes, "Hey, are you using me?" That's just not me. Um, That's both of us. It's it's not me at all. So I knew they had the bid. I kind of heard some scuttlebutt that like USATF has a big hand in who they pick. So like we want you, but we don't have really control over that. And one day she messaged me and was like, okay, we're good. What's your shirt size? And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And even then, like when you're announcing a race, like when I'm doing the Ironman World Championships, there's never an email that's like, you are announcing the Ironman World Championships. It's always like, yeah, here, hold these dates or something like that. So that's how I found out. Went to find out that it was going to be Carrie Tolfson, who was with me, who we had on the podcast. And then mm-hmm. we had a third woman who was with us in sort of a producer researcher role. Her name is Jessie Gabriel. She's worked for Track Town USA. She did all the world champion stuff out of Eugene. And we worked so well together. It was such an amazing synergy because women, all, when you work with other women, they're either going to be on board, it's going to be the best time ever, or there's a chance that it's like an uncomfortable or you're just trying to get along situation. And I, I, I people mean, I can
0: be competitive. E- yeah, even, and, and, in the and We industry. won't even say gender-wise, as we or, yeah. or, or, uh, talk about it. people in those situations Egos. can be competitive because yeah. these are highly sought after jobs, and you really do want people to notice that you're doing a good job.
1: Yeah, and in this, I've never worked with three women where it was such a collaborative, such a high energy, such a supportive environment, and I think that came across in what people heard and saw. So I was an honor to be there with Carrie. She is, like, as we talked, her amazing broadcasting resume, and Olympian. And then Jesse, her knowledge, her background. I mean, she'd be on the computer pulling up splits, calculating average finish times, pulling up gaps. like. And we're going based off of the NBC coverage. So that's what we're seeing too. We didn't have a straight feed. We're giving the play-by-play at the finish. And we'll talk a little about that. But that's how I got started, and I'm just so grateful that I got this opportunity. And it's not in a situation where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I got to do this. I, I know I was capable of this. I know this was something that's in my wheelhouse and I've worked for. You know, people don't realize that I've been announcing for 20 years. So, like, can you right. announce a start line? Yes, I can. I'm t- <laughs> um, but it felt good to be, like, in an environment where I was 100% confident in what I was doing and having a great time doing it on such a stage.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you're at the top of the food chain, really, when it comes to our race announcing. There aren't many other – you know, the Olympics themselves, (laughs) there aren't really other – places that you can go. And I'm glad that it was not some sort of Lord of the Flies experience because Because we've been
1: there. And it's as we know,
0: we we've We've all been there. there. In some situations. Well, sounded great. And again, so many people reaching out to me on social media. Oh my God, Carissa's hosting the trials, people who were out live in Orlando and a couple people who saw you on television. And uh, everyone said you killed it. And I I couldn't be prouder of you and less surprised that you killed it. All right, let's get to our listener questions. August TJM two thousand, and now I want to know why. Why that's the name? Uh, <laughs> wants to know uh, three questions here. Yeah. So uh, using I up the I know allotment the for to one everyone. Of them, by the way, <laughs> how many people started? How many finished? And that's an interesting question because I saw a couple of people who were, um, if not favored, people who thought that they, you know, were in the mix. Who, who who did drop out during the race. And again, a little warmer here than I think some of them were used to. And the other was, did Weston run?
1: Yeah, uh, I love those questions. So what's funny is when we were prepping this, I was like, oh, I got to go back and put those answers in. Um, I have about a 100-page binder with so much information oh on it. Goodness. Um, I know for the women, 173 had qualified, and I think we were at about 160 that were going to run on January 31st. The men was a bigger number in the 200s. So that went down. I don't know how many finished. A little over three hours was our final female finisher, and we stayed there to celebrate everybody in. But the fact that I do know is that so the, for the women particularly, I know more information about the women, the qualifying standard was 237, and of all the women that finished, only 41 ran under that time on the day. So it just kind of wow. speaks to the challenging conditions and how you really wow. like go for it. So there was a pretty big fatigue drop off. And you got to think, some of these athletes are saving their legs for other Mm -hmm. races if they just know they're not feeling well or they're not going out there. Um, Did Weston run? Yes, he ran around downtown Orlando the morning of the race. (laughs) Weston is a sub three hour marathoner, much like uh, Chris Chavez of Sidious Magazine. Weston did not run in the Olympic trials. But thank you for Weston for thanking the bees. Television. I have a lot
0: of friends who live in the milk district in areas of Orlando who got their steps in while they were trying to make their way around the yeah. event uh, but uh yeah and it's it's the conditions at the start were perfect if they'd stayed that way throughout the entire day but uh it, it really did the, you, you want to know funny story. speaking
1: of that funny story we're gonna this is gonna happen to this episodes like this so we were up there on the stage and John Hughes comes up and um, we must have been talking about the weather previously. And he's like, well, you know what? It's This is not on mic, but he's like, Chris, it's not that humid. The humidity is great. It's just hot. The sun. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, John. He's like, the sun. <laughs> but he just wanted us to know that it's not that humid. It's just uh, the sun.
0: <laughs> it was, you know, it, 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 and it's true. When, I, when I, uh, I was hanging out here at the house and I actually, people are wondering what I was doing. I was at the uh, Winter Garden uh, Farmer's Market that day uh, and uh, so following you on son. my phone and then came home. But... Uh, at race start time, it was so perfect. Oh,
1: perfect spectating weather.
0: And if it had just stayed that way for the entire length of the race, but over the over the couple of hours, it really did uh, heat up quickly and you could see that. And I, it, I just want to make this point, which I thought was so interesting, and they made the point in, uh, during the race, is that um, we talked to people about knowing their body when they run a race like this and, and amateurs, whomever. Um, a number of those athletes who, who dropped out, as you said, knowing the difference between I'm fatigued, or I could get to the point where this is detrimental to me moving moving through the rest of the track and field season and moving forward. Um, so it's it's a good it's a good lesson for everybody. Uh, certainly, you push through your challenges, but uh, you should always be aware uh, to listen to your body when it says, "You know what? We may be now venturing into a, a difficult area." Yeah, All right. You also went to the press conference which conference, excuse me, can't speak something we don't have for Disney races. Not sure why you and I aren't interviewed at every race. I think we should be. What was that all like?
1: Um, so I was just, I was there, you know, as a spectator listening and I actually did get a lot of good information from the press conferences. But what was interesting is I go to the press conferences at Iron Man and I'm sitting in the back and I like would never say a word Um this press conference. I felt like in Mean Girls, I was at the cool kids table. It was like me, Jesse, Allie. I was sitting next to Kara Goucher, Olympian Kara Goucher, Allie on the run. Uh, Lewis Johnson came in late. He's standing on the side, doesn't even have a chair. Um, It's just pretty cool to be in the room where it happened. Um, So they're doing the women first. And Jay Holder, who we worked with really well, amazing guy. We're hoping to get him on the podcast as uh, soon. He was leading the press conference, moderating. And he said, okay, we're going to have three questions they asked the first two questions for the females. He's like, okay, any other questions? It was like 15, 16. And then no one's asking. And I'm like, Oh God, we're going to run out of questions. This is, so I just raised my (laughs) hand and Jay's like, Carissa. And I I asked the question, if you saw the coverage, I said, you know, it was a question that I wanted personally wanted to know because they hadn't talked about the moms. And on that stage, three of the five were moms. So I said, you know, I asked in the past eight years of Olympic cycles, we've really seen a space where moms have the opportunity to run, to have a family, and then they're supported and they can come back. That's not something we saw, you know, if we're looking back at Olympics in Beijing and Athens, there weren't mom marathoners, especially not from foreign countries. So I I asked a question and it got some great responses. So I was uh, excited to hear that. And I was excited to see those were some of the responses that they pulled for coverage because for me as a mom, I These women inspire us. I think any mom that's out there doing things that are hard, that are time consuming, and having to do that juggle, other moms empathize with us. And Carrie and I both talked a lot about, you know, our mom guilt of even just being there for this event. She missed her kid's birthday, you know, to be here. And it's hard to be a mom who still goes after their dreams. But I think the value and what your kids see in that um, exists. But I asked a question and get a lot of good information from those press conferences when you ask the right questions. And that's kind of uh, helps us on the coverage is getting those first person stories. You can read all the articles you want. You can look at all the stats, but it's really, when you make that human connection, it makes you a better broadcaster, I think.
0: Well, and I think that's what makes the Olympics so compelling for people watching sports that they wouldn't otherwise uh, watch, yeah. is, is those human interest stories. And shout out to Lewis Johnson, by the way, because I watched the track and field competition from up in Boston, where he apparently jumped on a flight and got up there at that new facility in Boston Gorgeous. for track and field, which, yeah. goodness gracious, at some point, we need to talk about that uh, on, on another podcast. But uh, shout out to Lewis, because he does a great job. And, fantastic. And really, they the did.
1: best questions. He gets, because he knows, you know, sometimes, and I'm guilty of that, you have one question, like, well, how do you feel? That's not the best question. Lewis will go right to the heart of the question. And John Anderson alluded to that on the podcast as well, how how good he is. And he is a, I mean, it's a nice way, a, a large, muscular man. He's um, a big guy. He's a big guy. So I would just say, I like never like really sat down and talked to him, but I just say hi to him like I know him, and then he says hi back to me like he knows me. I'm like, what's up, Lewis? Have a great show.
0: <laughs> well, he did terrific work and uh, at the track and field competition a- as well. All right, let's walk through race day, because I'm assuming that your morning was not like uh, a morning for Run Disney is, which means an Uncrustable, drinking a lot of uh, coffee, and trying to figure out how to get the Ursula costume so that it fits well. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> What Ursula. was your... St-
0: <laughs> what were your start line responsibilities like? What was your morning like?
1: Yeah, a late morning. Obviously, we didn't start until ten ten. We didn't go on the mic until nine thirty. We did a little welcome, then we kind of kicked in at nine forty five. But what was interesting was that so NBC coverage started at ten. We started at ten. Race started at ten ten. So we had the NBC producers kind of coming up to us constantly because we needed to do a national anthem but we had to do the national anthem when they were on commercial. It couldn't bleed into the coverage. So we had to get everything up. We had to hit the athlete intros specifically at like ten 10.05.30 so that they were on that type of coverage. So when we called out, he is the reigning trials champion, a two-time Olympia, blah, blah, blah. That person would come up and wave. So we had to be really tight on cues, specifically that anthem. They were like, if this anthem bleeds over and you lead into it late. So uh, just kind of, stuff that we're comfortable with, but just really knowing that like, hey, don't, don't mess this up. So going through all those time cues, and then once the race started, it was almost laughable how quickly it was like, oh, that's everybody, because <laughs> we're used to, like, an hour of athletes. Where's the next um, wave? Yeah. But Where are the balloon ladies? Really great energy there at the start. Meb Kofleski was the official starter for the men, and there's videos, and I literally, like, keep hugging Meb. Like, he's my best friend, and he's just so <laughs> friendly, and I'm not going to say cute, but, like, he is. he's like, Meb, you're just like, oh, it's Meb, and, like, literally, my friends are like you act like you know meb i'm like i do he came on bloom when i hosted bloom so he was the men's starter and then in between we had bex gentry who's a peloton instructor an amazing runner she was doing some stuff for NBC, so she jumped up on stage chatted with us and much like carrie's energy she was one of those women that's like i love you oh my gosh blah blah blah, like good energy people uh Cassandra so lewis from the voice season six did the anthem i wish you could have heard it because it was Josh Wadi level. It okay. was so good. And that was, I think, my, one of my favorite parts of the day was that where the flag was, we're standing looking at the athletes for the anthem. And it was a small stage. So, Sassandra's like right. It's like me, Meb, Sassandra. And you're seeing the athletes' faces. It was the men only during the anthem. And watching their faces, and you're just staring at them for 90 seconds because I kept trying to, like, smile at them. And like, <laughs> um, but Clayton Young, who went on to get second, was mousing the words of the anthem. And Gosh. I knew right there, he's relaxed. He's in the moment. He's going to have a great day. And that was one of the coolest moments. And then Joan Benoit Samuelson came up for the women's race because this was the 40th anniversary of the first time women were allowed to run in the trials. Obviously, she won that trials. Obviously, she won the Olympics. So that's when, if you guys saw me on NBC, they were on Joni. Then I'm with my clipboard and the NBC guys yelling at us. So you can see me like looking. And for the time cues, when we got to a minute, They didn't want us chattering. They didn't want it to be any sort of confusion because Joan was blowing the horn and that was the start, the same for Meb. So we were told to do a 60 seconds, 30 seconds, 10, but to not say anything in between, to not confuse anything because everybody was going off that cues, the motos, the lead vehicles, the NBC. So um, that's why in NBC, I'm just standing there with my clipboard like, don't mess up, don't do any. don't <laughs> talk, just stand here nicely. Um, But it was fun when I, I hadn't looked at my phone the whole day, and I was like, oh, I made TV. Like, I was really there. Like I've covered the Olympics on NBC, theoretically, right, John?
0: That, oh, absolutely, so. absolutely. And it's funny because people are always, you know, for, we, we've all done these things where we have to work with television from time to time. You and I going back to Atlanta Brave Spring Training right. when there was a televised game and how the clock becomes a much bigger character in everything and you do you, you know, they can't talk here have to nail this get this at this time don't want to put the anthem on because and if people are asking why it's because they don't want to sit there for the entire time where they have uh commercials that they need to run things they need to get to and you don't want to cut away from the anthem because then you're going to show up on every right-wing podcast as uh, you know too woke uh all right uh let's see moving on another time uh, another good time for a listener question okay Carissa. This comes from J-E-N-M-K undersigned. You could buy a vowel there, J-E-N-M-K undersigned. Uh, What was your wow, I get to do this moment? I mean, is there one really, really big one?
1: Um, So for me, what I was most excited about that was like, I get to do this was, and I think you'll kind of, you might agree in terms of like the things you've got to do was they you get like six, five to six athletes where you're going to call out. And they're the ones that are going to come out and wave, like I mentioned. And so being able to stand up there before Olympic trials and be like, she's a two time Olympian, the 2018 Boston marathoner. This is Des Linden, you know, like that moment. And I think, do you love that moment too? Like the starting lineups when you worked for the Raptors? Was that, I mean, maybe I'm just talking out of turn. Is that, that's a cool moment.
0: Uh, it's 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 kind of a double edged sword because again in that not wanting to get something wrong and pronouncing names and, and I've said it on the podcast before having my name pronounced wrong when I scored a touchdown in high school football. I know what that can do to people, even like the greatest athletes when your name's pronounced wrong, it's not always a funny thing. So yeah, it's really, really cool. Uh w- w- Now, I didn't get to announce LeBron James because he wasn't playing, but, you know, and and pick your NBA player. Uh, But it's also a little bit stressful because you don't want to get that moment wrong and you can't find yourselves... Uh, fan boring or fangirling too much because that's when you make mistakes so you have to be focused but yeah I can see that as being the first time I did uh, and I didn't do the starting lineups for the Raptors first time I did the away uh, lineups and yeah. I think it was the Cavaliers I don't remember who we were playing but I'm like oh this is this is kind of cool I'm doing yeah. this I'm doing this on the big level or even even brave spring training yeah Very it was
1: funny fun. the night before I was in the room and I was reading over them because you know I we don't rehearse a ton a lot of this is ad lib but I just wanted to have said it enough times that it, mm-hmm. it came out and I was saying in the athlete hotel. So it's, gosh, probably 10 o'clock at night, you know, and I'm going, Abdi, Abderotman. And then I was like, oh God, are, am I waking somebody up? Am I like ruining somebody's Olympic trials because I'm over here like, shut up. Um, so I did lower my voice a little bit, but that for me was a was a cool moment because you just got to like, for me being, these are professional runners. A lot of them I know, I'm conversational with, but like the gravity of what these people have done, you know, is right. just, and to be able to give them their moment in this moment a yeah, like
0: you, this. You, you
1: you know all
0: that. You, you don't want to get in the way. You don't want yeah. you want to do that. You want to add to it without getting in the yeah. way. And sometimes, yeah, you feel like mm, I, I should probably not say anything. But all right, uh, you now a little over two hours for uh from start of the race till you you, you started seeing um finishers. What did you do before the athletes arrived? Did you have additional responsibilities? Shouting out to the cheer zone. Wanted to thank the folks from Kelsey's crew. I mean, what were you doing at that point?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, we so we hustled over to the fin the finish because um, we had another setup there. And by the time we got there, the men's race was golly probably almost in the mile three mark. And our job there was because there were no screens, so we essentially became play by play. So we did play by play for almost two hours, and that's where Carrie, Jesse, and I worked really synergistically. We had the broadcast on, we had our binders with all of our information trying to explain to people the race that was going on. And then from me, my point of view as a race announcer is that the spectators are part of the conversation too don't mm-hmm. and we I, we really believe this at Disney We don't talk at them. we talk with them. So I would go back and I'd kind of stand out where they could see me and try to get them into the moment. You know how I always tell people I want them to cry, like I wanted everybody to cry. Um, So we just kind of did that until the athletes came in, doing full play-by-play as if we were the NBC broadcast, which you heard, but then also acknowledging the crowd, talking to the crowd. We interviewed Clayton Young and Connor Mance's family. We talked to Dakota Linworms. Uh, boyfriend, who I think his name is Montana, which is fascinating to me that a Dakota and a Montana are dating, and, and I believe
0: they're from Minnesota. So this gets really, <laughs> exactly.
1: really um, exactly. Yeah. So okay. yeah, we had a great time, and then again, I can't shout enough, Carrie and Jesse, how amazing they were to work with. Uh, DJ CJ was supposed to be there. Um, he accidentally double booked himself, so we had DJ Jack. I know we'll just we'll just move on. But I just we love you, DJ wow. CJ. We. Fr- do it i don't think i forgive you um but jack was great and the audio was great Uh, our audio was actually very nicely leveled because that makes a big difference as well so we were just there and then we we brought him in we got to call people olympians and it was really cool and then when that was done we then athletes go to interviews they go to the press conference they go to drug testing and then we stayed until we knew every single person had finished because that's our job we're a race announcer like you can call all the play-by-play you want, but your job is to celebrate each and every athlete, which we did. Then we jumped over to the Lake Eola and we did the award ceremony where we gave out the top 10. And then we were like, should we interview the top three? We were like, yep, that's what we want to do. So we just <laughs> uh, interviewed the top three again. And that was nice. It was a really relaxed environment. A lot of the families were there. And I'm jumping all around, but you talked about Zach Panning earlier. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't watch the race, I'll try to quickly summarize. For us to get three spots open, to get that third Olympic spot open, somebody that wasn't Connor Mance or Clayton Young had to run under 208-10. That was the only way we would get a third spot. So Zach Panning went for it. He went out, took a lead, pushed the pace. Connor and Clayton went with him. They were on 2.07 pace for a really long time, and Zach was at the front, and I wish Connor and Clayton might have rotated a little bit, taken some of that wind off him, but you're not going to. You want to win the race. Um, Zach eventually fell back and faded, but he pushed the pace. He allowed Connor and Clayton to get far enough away that no one was going to challenge them. And I feel like I'm going to cry. When Zach came up and was awarded, I think he was maybe – sixth place or something, Mm -hmm. Connor and Clayton's families stood and applauded him. And then everybody stood because they knew what he did. Like he doesn't get to go to the Olympics, but he gave it everything he had and his race, you know, essentially allowed them to get those two spots. But it was beautiful just to see that, that support from the running community. And that's what's different. I think than any other sport in the world, the running, not just, you know, I work in triathlons. Running is different because it's a singular pursuit. It's a singular thing you do. And so much goes on in that race. And there's so much respect. And that was beautiful to see that um, for Zach.
0: Yeah, he was, uh, it was, as I said, it was compelling television to watch because he was going for it. And then, you know, you have that moment, you started to see his elbows were getting a little further out when he was running you could see the gait changed a little bit and it's like all no. right. he's pushed it to this point and he's a, he knows what he's doing um so you know, he's backing off the pace a little bit and he just didn't have enough but i but it what a courageous run and he he deserves all the kudos in the world as much as anybody in that race because if, if, and for the folks at NBC they better send him a fruit basket because he he made that really really compelling because wow. you know these these races sometimes are not that compelling. You get, a, you know, you get a big, big group of people. They kind of spread out. The you, you generally know with three, four, or five miles mm-hmm. left to go. well, oh, It's probably going to work out this way. And there were a lot of dramatic turns in this one, which was, uh, which was really interesting to race. And we should point out, and you know, I, I wasn't thinking about this when I was asking about you what you did. That the the way they ran this race is uh, there was a 2.2 mile loop, I believe, around Lake yep. Eola, and then it was three eight mile loops. So for spectators, and I know you, you had your positions and everything, seems like it was a really, really great spectator race because you're seeing these people three times no matter where you're standing.
1: And a lot of time, that's how championship races are designed. If you go back and look at the Rio Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, that Olympics, that's how these are designed. Um, one, it's logistically easier. You're closing less roads. Yeah. But people want to be able to see that. But what's funny is I heard this uh, about people in 2020, and I heard this again this year. The, the fans were so loud. They were too loud. <laughs> um, don't stop being loud if you're a fan. But Clayton Young was like, it was It was in the early stages. I just wanted to settle in. And my ears were ringing because the people were so loud. Um, but then in later stages, as it strings out, I also heard from some of the athletes that like people were giving them time cues, like she's 15 behind you, she's 30 behind you, even strangers. And they yeah. found that really, really helpful uh, because you don't want to look back. At all. You know, yeah. you don't want to do anything to change your momentum. So, but kudos to Orlando. But yeah, it was a really fun spectator course. We could see the turnaround point. We'd see the flashing lights. But to be honest, we'd only look for enough to say, like, here comes our lead men. And then we'd go right back into our books, into the TV, making sure we didn't miss a move because. You know, as you saw, the TV would flash back and then wait, 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 the women's race is all changed. And so we're having to catch up, get on top of that. And then we couldn't hear the broadcast. So we're having to like look and see that's who's that, who's that, who's that. You know, we're just having to use all of our senses um, yeah. to then articulate that for the people who were around us because they could have been watching on their phones, but we were essentially their broadcast.
0: Yeah, there was a lot going on. There's no doubt about that, because NBC, to your point, at long periods of time, were focusing on the women and not the men, or then the men and not the women, instead of jumping back and forth. And I'm sitting there as a viewer going, all right, okay, great, yeah, okay, we're, we're telling the human interest story, but what's going on with the women? Exactly. Uh, and eventually, you got the picture-in-picture picture and a lot of that, but it really, it really was a, a very dramatic race. On, on so many levels and uh, kudos to those folks. I heard people shouting out, uh, even on the broadcast, you know, you're three and a half minutes ahead. And I was wondering, uh, do they have coaches peppered through the course to let them know? Or is I this mean, just they do? fans? So,
1: for example, Sarah Hall, um, her husband, Ryan Hall, the fastest American marathoner. Uh, he's kind of friends with Weston. So they actually borrowed a bike of ours to, for Ryan to ride around the course. So coaches will, will try to ride around the course and see them more. But what we were doing when we were watching the broadcast and what you tend to do, and I'm sure spectators were doing this as well. So you'll say Fiona's leading, you see her cross the light post down farther. Once she crosses the light post, you count. Until the next person gets to the light post, and then that's how that's what you would shout to them, and that's what we were using on the broadcast as well. Uh, shadows. I was using shadows. It's easier for me to count with like dark to light, but that would be <laughs> how like the everyday person, not necessarily a coach, would would try to help. <laughs> All
0: right, good, good, good to know. Good to know. All right, we have some more listener questions, okay. so let's get through a few of these, yeah. and then I have a very then- personal thing that you just reminded me that I that I have to tell you that's very very funny. Okay. It'll be like a back end chat thing. All right, this is from uh, Florimonte Jason. Uh, who wants to know there were celebrities everywhere and there were a lot of celebrities for the running community and beyond out there. What was your biggest fangirl moment?
1: Well, I think I've kind of talked about, you know, some of them there, but I think it was just being on stage with the people f- sharing the same platform as like Meb and Joan and being able to celebrate everybody was really, really cool for me. I don't know if there was like a one fangirl moment that stood out, but like, we're walking to the race, we come out of the hotel and there's all the Sidious Mag people and we're taking a selfie with them. And then we turn the corner and like Allie on the Run is there. So there's all these names. It's like that first day of school vibe where you're just surrounded by so many good, cool people. I was like, man, I got to Instagram all this. I got to go to work. Um, so that was it. But I will say one moment that will stick with me as we finish the awards and Cree Kelly comes over and he gives me a hug. And then this guy comes up and I know who he is. Um, and he's like, I'm Ted. I'm, I'm the director out of New York. You did a fantastic job. And I just had so many things I wanted to say about how much we love the New York City Marathon. But I was just like, thank, thank you. Yes, I know who you are. Thank you very much. And, I was, ah. and then I was like, I can't work your race. I love you, though. Maybe one year. <laughs> I didn't say that. But in my head, I was like... Oh. The coolest race ever so i got props from ted from the our favorite race
0: very nice yeah. nice to know Cree was in town didn't reach out to me we'll be canceling his episode <laughs> uh all right uh it is still coming just out, kidding Cree. we love you yeah that's right wedding wedding coming up for Cree. all right uh anything really really surprise you something catch you off guard that you uh Um,
1: You know, we, one, just, we went so hard that uh, doing the play by play that by the end I was starving. I was thirsty. I was like, (laughs) you know, it's like we ran a race without hydrating properly. Um, Nothing caught me off guard, but I think some of the comments that I got to hear these athletes make that may or may not make the broadcast. And I think this one that I'm going to share did, uh, but it was Emily Sisson and her, husband is a psychiatrist. So she has a great mental game. And she said she was struggling in the race. And she saw Dina Castor, 2004 Olympic bronze medalist in the marathon on the the lead vehicle. And she was struggling. And she said, I thought about Dina, I thought about her book, where she says, you got to mentally stay positive. So seeing Dina helped switch my brain into like a positive state. And so I kind of like that visualization, I think I'll take it with me, like when I'm struggling on a run. I'm gonna visualize Dina, visualize Dina in front of you. She says, you know, you gotta switch that brain. She says you've got to be more positive, get those positive thoughts going. So I liked, like, didn't necessarily surprise me, but like moments like that that I think will stick with me for a long time and will inspire my own running at my pace that now feels very embarrassing. <laughs> like hey. I went on a run today and I usually like share my run like split screen and I'm like, my, I, I mean. I don't have to be fast to be an announcer, right? Like I know you guys are all Olympians, but like I like to run. Look yeah, at anyway, me! So I've
0: was... done professional basketball. I'm five eight and three quarters. I mean, yeah, no, but y- that's y-
1: different. I feel like in the running world, everybody on a mic is an Olympian. You know, so it's it's as harder I think to get into it because everybody wants to do it and everybody has so much background in it. You know what I mean? You, and you would agree the same thing. Like it's it's hard yeah. to get into sports broadcasting when you were not a player. Um, uh,
0: you're right you're right but generally I think for the best broadcasting teams there's a there's a mix of of both and
1: things. there is and somebody needs to be that bridge of someone with the broadcast experience to keep a show moving
0: right and you're going to ask better questions if you're in a situation where you're being where you're questioning because you're not asking you know the nuts and bolts stuff alright uh, let, let, let's move along I want to make sure we get a couple more yeah. of these questions you in from, you our, pick what you uh, want. from our from our our folks out there this is for Quinn 10 underscore E <sighs> Did you get any sense if the competitors enjoyed, enjoyed their time here, uh, the, the weather being a little warm notwithstanding, but people knew coming in that that was a, a chance? Do you, do you think that they enjoyed the event and, uh, as we said, really great spectators? Um, so how do you think they felt about it, and do you think O-Town might be on the, might be on the rotation again sometime?
1: Uh who knows about that you got to bid for it it's quite a process but Track Shack really put on an amazing they event did. a flawless event shout out to John Betsy Alicia Kim everybody over there um, I did hear that people had a great time Deslin and on her podcast uh gave kudos as well so and then we saw a friend of ours sent a picture of him in line at Universal behind Galen Rupp. uh so I know a lot of the athletes got to enjoy some of all of Orlando's favorite attractions so so yeah I think that I think they had a good time how how could you not I mean it's Orlando there's so much to do and it's beautiful
0: Absolutely. All right, uh, th- and this is a question that I actually had because I saw this popped up for uh, for folks. But we will give uh, we will give attribution to our Instagram follower Ratch T Love. I'm going to say uh, it's
1: Ratch. Like is it,
0: R A, R- a- C H? Is Ratch? <laughs> I don't know why that would be a long A. Uh, we're going to get to oh, we're going to get to the gosh, bottom of this. Okay, uh, yeah. You know, just just.
1: Yes. In a, in a uh, was that blood on Fiona O'Keefe's bib? Was yes. it blood on
0: Fiona O'Keefe's Yes, it uh,
1: was. She is her first marathon. She put a gel in her bra. Ladies, we've all done that. And then after you run, I mean, for me, it's running for four hours for a marathon, but her running for two hours and 22 minutes, she bled. Now, I am surprised. I didn't know it was blood at first. thought it could be a measure of vomit, Powerade, that it bled that much to go through the bib which is 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 kind of like a waterproofy type paper but I have two things to say about this. One, I think we've told the story before but when Weston did his sub 3 marathon, he finished without a shirt on and it was like 50 degrees and I was like that's an interesting choice but he's his as men's do, his nipples had bled on his white shirt, he luckily noticed and took it off. So he was saying that sometimes you don't realize how much you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing was I She came up and we were getting ready for awards. And I wanted to be like, do you want to take that bib off? Cause you know, like, do you want, but then there's so many rules that I don't know about drug testing and everything like Emily Sisson asked for water when we were doing our interviews, um, like right at the finish. And I went to give her water and I went to open it. And they were like, no, you can't open it. And I was like, I was just trying to help her because she had her flag on. Sure, So she didn't have sure. any hands. And I was like, oh, you're right. I can't open this water and give it to you because you haven't been to the drug testing and I can't open anything and you have to open a closed water yourself. So I just didn't know, but I did want to be like, girl, do you want like a, a shirt, like something? Because you're going to go get your gold medal. with?" And I didn't know it was blood at the time, but- um,
0: Right. She should frame that. Heart- Maybe she just honestly. wanted to
1: show people how hardcore she was. And that's yeah, what marathoning is—a little bit hardcore.
0: Maybe. And now all my memory, because of the, the what Weston said, goes back to um, getting on the raft in the ocean early in your when you're a, when you're a kid. and You get on a raft and you don't realize that apparently they were made out of 3M sandpaper back in the day for some un, <laughs> unknown reason. And that's when you realize, as a man, my nipples can bleed, and nipples. and it's it's unpleasant. It, it's it's an unpleasant. Well, situation. thank goodness that
1: we didn't go through an entire marathon recap without talking about nipples bleeding because it's important. It happens, folks. Don't be embarrassed.
0: No, it it, it does happen. All right, let's get through. Uh, let's get through a couple more of these uh, before we let you go because we know you're busy and you're gonna you you have to leave town again soon. I've Gotta just, pick up I my child up. from
1: school and shower. Um,
0: here's an interesting one, Victoria Jane Nine Twelve. Uh, ever get disappointed with the results?
1: So we're not supposed to. You know, in in terms of the broadcast. I, gosh, I don't want to cry talking about this. I am. There's one that really breaks my heart. It's Sarah Hall. Right. Um, We mentioned Sarah and Ryan earlier. So Weston was with ASICS. Sarah and Ryan have been longtime ASICS athletes. So we went to the 2020 trials in Atlanta, essentially there to watch Sarah Um, she was one of the, she is, has been one of the top marathoners in the country. She DNF'd in Atlanta. It was really disappointing. So going into this year, we knew that she had put everything into this race. And this was her eighth time competing at an Olympic trials, never made an Olympic team. And she was there and she was there. And as the cover was just going back and forth, there was a point where she was in fourth And I looked at Jessie, and I was like, oh, man. And she looked like she was struggling. Like her neck was back. You could see she was struggling. And Jessie said, she's going to make it. She's the toughest woman. I think she's an explicative that I know. Um, And then it came back, and that was when Dakota Linward had made her move. And it was like she's not – just we knew there was too much time. She wasn't going to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, But Sarah didn't quit. Sarah fought, and she was going through cramps. She was dealing with stuff. Um, She finished fifth. She set an American master's record. It's her highest finish ever in the Olympic trials, but she didn't make the team and she's 40 years old. And like, you don't get another chance to line up. And I know that her story is not unique of someone going and giving everything, but to not make it again and to have been on paper, somebody that should have made it. Um, I was really just sad because I wanted that moment for her so bad. I wanted to see yeah. her run into Ryan's arms and be able to, for them to both be Olympians because Kira D'Amato, who also didn't make it, said in the press conference, and I think this kind of encapsulates the feeling I had the American record in the marathon, it got taken away. I had the American record in the half marathon, it got taken away. When you're an Olympian, no one can ever take that away. And she also didn't make the team. And it's just, it's so hard to do. And no one knows what it means more to be an Olympian than think about Jeff Galloway, right? His his title carries with him forever. So um, it was hard to see Sarah. And I think also it was hard to see Zach and CJ be so close. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't take away your joy for somebody else. Like it's not like, Oh, I can't, I want it. It's just, it's the humanity of the sport. And I think that's what draws us into events like this, knowing um, what's on the line. So uh, Sarah was over here yesterday dropping off the bike and just, she was happy. She was happy with her finish, but sad that it wasn't.
0: Well, she was really classy on social media, too, and talking about her being honest about her disappointment and everything, but being very classy about the people that supported her and her journey, uh, as we would expect from her. And it it was, it was, it was heartbreaking, but to to your point, there are at most six non-heartbreaking stories
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: any of these races. You know, everyone else, there's some level of heartbreak, uh, because you were that close. Uh, so anyway, uh. Very, like I said, very, very compelling. All right, final question, though. I do, I know you just wrote, we, we can wrap, but I do want to ask this final okay. question for anybody because, you know, run. we're known for our, our Run Disney, our 20 years of Run Disney. Uh, let people know, how does your role change from the Olympic trials to the Run Disney event?
1: Uh, tons of research, right? Like you have to know every person, so many stories, binders. I don't like to print things because of trees. And I've got a hundred page binder with all the results, just so we knew whoever was up there in the top, we'd heard their stories. We could share their stories. Uh, no tutus, no glitter lipstick, (laughs) although I did still wear red lipstick. We talked, Carrie and I talked about glitter headbands, but we went, uh, we went, straight and arrow um but again as i said before i'd never do a race or even an iron man i'd i want to bring the fun i want to show the joy and i want to bring the spectators into it so i brought all of that uh but it was just a really great experience and thank you guys so much for the support for the messages like having people say like i recognize your voice and i'm sure people have said this to you it's such a foreign it's still yeah. a foreign thing right because that's, that's just me I'm, I'm, doing my vo- I'm doing my job um so thank you guys for the support. Thank you for the team that allowed me to do this. And um, let's do it again, right?
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, uh, we're all so proud of you. Great job. Like I said, people reached out to me who aren't even really friends of yours on on uh, social media just saying, oh, my gosh, your, your your co-host was just amazing. So I assume this is going to mean bigger and better things for you. And the clock is ticking on when I'm replaced by uh, someone else Carrie on this podcast who who is much more deserving. <laughs>
1: irreplaceable John. All right, athletes, here's the drill. Time to shape up your diet. Carissa, give them the goods. All right, today in Healthier You, we're going to keep with this trials theme because I want to bring awareness to the heat. Now, it wasn't, it still was dangerously hot. We weren't in the 80s. We were still in the 70s, but the, the sun made it hot. So athletes suffered with cramping. Kira D'Amato, Betsy Sinus, Sarah Hall all talked about the cramping they had. In these conditions, your body is working overtime to regulate your temperature, and you're sweating, you can push yourself, and then your muscles kind of seize up. That's a muscle cramp. John, has that happened to you? It has. And it's not, it's, you can't, I mean, sometimes you can work through it, and sometimes you can't. And I was surprised to hear all the women say they just fought through them. I mean, that's just remarkable. But the reason why it happens, your muscles are contracting and relaxing in this rhythmic fashion. Temperature goes up. Your body sweats more, you're losing the water, and you're losing the electrolytes. The electrolytes are essential for muscle function. And when they get depleted, that increases your risk for cramping. And then the intense heat also delay, uh, increases your muscle fatigue. So your muscles wear out faster because they're having to work harder. So the key to preventing these cramps, and we know that these athletes have fine-tuned their nutrition, but sometimes it doesn't go as plain or it's simply not enough, is hydration. For those of you listening, it starts days before, and you also need those electrolytes, especially as we're getting into maybe springtime surprise where we know we're going to be hotter here in Orlando. Make sure you're training with electrolytes. Make sure you're using them on the course. And then another thing a lot of athletes did, I know Emily's system was here for three weeks, almost a month, is to acclimate yourself to the heat. So shorter runs in the hot weather, increasing the duration. John, when you get close to springtime, I'm going to say to you, if you're going to do the 10K, Do some of the runs outside so you are letting your body sort of adapt to that. And then in Orlando, unfortunately, we're going to pepper in humidity as well, meaning it's even harder for your body to stay tuned. But stay hydrated. Replenish your electrolytes. Be cognizant of acclimating yourself to the heat. Slowly, so your body is a little bit used to it. You do get great adaptations to training in heat. We talked about that uh, during not our broadcast, but our live broadcast with uh, about Jeff Galloway and the Florida Track Club, how they acclimated to heat. That gives you some of the same benefits as altitude training. But if you want to get more help with your nutrition, whether it's a diet, whether it's your race nutrition, I can help you at healthier you. There's two options for you. One is our 12-week course that you actually have a year to access. That's 12 weeks of modules about nutrition, education, training, meal plans, and then you get a year of monthly seminars with me. Or you can pick our seminar series option where you'll get quarterly meal plans and then you'll get access to our monthly group chats. So go to GallowayCourse.com. You can find out options for both and use the code PODCAST. Athletes, listen up. It's mail call time. announcer free.
0: Present. All right. Thank you, Sarge. Today's listener story is from Kia, and it comes via email. She says, I started doing Run Disney when my childhood babysitter convinced me to sign up for the 2017 Princess Half Marathon. Still knows her childhood babysitter. That's pretty amazing, huh? Uh, this was my first race, and when I crossed the finish line, I swore it was my last race. I'm sure you're not alone in that. No. Seven years later, just celebrated my 10th Run Disney weekend with my first dopey congratulations. I've done other races, but none of them holds a candle to Run Disney races. Their entertainment and vibes are unmatched. I love Run Disney because ever since I was a little girl, why you make me read this? (laughs) I've been invisible, she put in quotes. I'm introverted and like to keep to myself. The Run Disney community is the family I've never had and makes me feel seen and accepted and part of something good.
1: I can't quite comment yet.
0: There's something in my eye, so why don't you pick up right now?
1: No, I I wanted to share the story, and thank you, Kia or Kaya, um, for sharing it, because that's all we want to do at Run Disney, and we have this beautiful space to bring people together for a love of Disney, and then what keeps them there is this community, this family vibe, this feeling where, yes, you are accepted. You are here, whether you're introverted, extroverted, like... We support you and your goals. So to everybody that has ever felt invisible, like I think that's a common feeling, like you don't fit in. And we heard that from DW as well. Um, thank you for coming to Run Disney. And thank you to the Run Disney community for being so kind and welcome and warming.
0: And I do also want to say, you know, for those of us who uh, seem more extroverted, Kia or Kaya, uh, and apologize if I, if I get that wrong, um, you would be surprised. I think we all have imposter syndrome to some to some level. And uh, I think we all need to feel accomplished in some way. And we don't always get that in our day to day life. Oh. So to be able, to, I'm so happy for you that you found something that gives that to you. And I mean, how many 10, 10 races? Uh, a dopey,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> 10 what, weekends. What, what? So we know that's, that's a lot more than that.
0: what happened to that this will be my last race i want to get to the bottom of that but uh, congratulations to you and thank you so much for the uh for the question yeah keep
1: sending in your questions your stories keep rating us three two one go podcast at gmail.com or send them to us on instagram thank you guys for listening thank you for letting me ramble uh princess is not far away we can't wait to see you there have a great day we'll see you real soon
0: bye bye